Well, good morning, Life Church. Let's try that one more time. Good morning, Life Church. All right. You know that if you don't respond well the first time, I'm going to ask you again or I'm going to say hi again. Okay. Everybody had a good week? Okay. You staying safe? Staying saved? Well, I know some of you. Oh, just kidding, Jeff. I'm kidding. Jeff Hansen, he's my friend back there. All right. Most of you know that we are currently in a series called Bound to be Free. And as you know, it's taken from the book of Galatians. And notice the play on words, bound to be free. Whew, right? I'm just kidding. You guys are not very laughable this morning. Wow. Who has not had their coffee yet? I think we should take a 10-minute break, run over to Starbucks or McDonald's and get something good to drink. So I'm looking for responses today, okay? You know that's the point of preaching? Oh, really? That's the point of preaching, to get a response. All right, there we go. Well, don't clap for me. Clap for Jesus and respond to him. Now, we've learned in the series that God has released us from bondage so that we can live in his true freedom. And that freedom is intended for us to be able to honor God, to be a blessing to ourselves, and to be a blessing to others around us. Now, here's a good way to think about the structure of the book of Galatians. Galatians 1, 1 through 2.21 could be labeled the gospel of grace defended. Galatians 3, 1 through 4.31 could be titled, The Gospel of Grace Explained. And then finally, Galatians 5, 1 through 6.18 might be thought of as, as, thought of, excuse me, as the gospel of grace applied. So you have it defended, explained, and applied. Today we're going to continue our study by looking at Galatians chapter 5. So let's begin with verse 1. And the Apostle Paul wrote the following. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You are trying to be justified by the law, excuse me, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Verse 5, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Verse 7, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? What kind of persuasion, excuse me, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Verse 12, 
As for those agitators, now hold on. I don't know if you've ever read this verse. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Wow. Paul pulled no punches. He had nothing or he held nothing back because he understood the impossibility and eternal consequences of trying to earn heaven, trying to gain the kingdom of God on our own. He goes on to say in verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Verse 16, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh or the sinful nature. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh or the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Whew, that's a lot to take in, isn't it? So let's work our way back through verses 13 through 26. I know I'm going to read to you again, but I'm doing so for emphasis. Now we're going to find two lists. We're going to find the works of the flesh, and then we're going to see the fruit of the Spirit, as we've already read. So again, follow along with me as I read verse 13 and so on. You, my brothers and sisters... We're called to be free. We could stop there and we could study that verse for years. And everything that is implied, everything that's meant in that verse. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Not independent. Not living on your own. Not following your own standards. But you were called to be free from the bondage of your flesh and from sin. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Again, for the entire law is fulfilled in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other. Is that possible? Through our words, through our actions, it certainly is. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed. Not from the outside. Not from Satan, but you will be destroyed by each other. We're talking to the body of Christ here. So I say, walk by the Spirit. 
live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to what God wants. It's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And here we go, verse 19. Here's the first list. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. You ever seen a ragey person? Well, apparently one of you has. Okay, good. Where's that coffee? Is that coffee coming around here anytime soon? All right. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And again, Paul gives a stern warning. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That speaks of eternal consequences. All eternity is on the line. So let's work through our handout, side one. And it's titled, Works of the Flesh. Number one, sexual immorality. The Greek word is porneia. And it means immoral sexual conduct and or intercourse. There's a, an English word that's pretty common nowadays, and it's called pornography. And that's where our English word comes from. Porneia. Number two, impurity. The Greek word is akatharsia. And it means sexual sins, evil deeds, and vices, including thoughts and desires of the heart. These include actions, but they also involve our motives, thoughts, and inappropriate, unchecked sexual desires. Number three, debauchery. Tell you, that's an ugly word, debauchery. It sounds so sinister. The Greek word is aselgia, and it means sensuality, following one's passions and desires to the point of having no shame or public decency. Now, I've never been there, but I've heard that Paul the Apostle might have been referring to a scene like Carnival in Rio de Janeiro or Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Number four, idolatry. Idolatry. The Greek word is idolatria, a lot like the English word. And this means to trust in any one person, institution, or thing as having equal or greater authority or value than God and his word. Number five, witchcraft. The Greek word is pharmakia or pharmakia, and it means sorcery. Spiritism, black magic, worship of demons. And it also goes on to say that it's the use of drugs that are used to produce a spiritual experience. There are a lot of cultures, especially third world countries, that use drugs to enhance or to create a spiritual experience. And what that does, it opens them up to demonic activity, demonic possession, and it's a horrible, horrible existence. Number six, hatred. Greek word is ekthra. And it's an intense, hostile intentions and acts. Extreme dislike or enmity for other people. This also carries with it the idea of being unforgiving 
and resentful. I just can't forgive them. Well, you need to work that one through. Pray that one through because you open yourself up to the work of the flesh. Number seven, discord. The Greek word is eris, and it means quarreling, antagonism, a struggle for power, control, or superiority. Number seven, or excuse me, number eight, jealousy. The Greek word is zelos, and it means resentfulness, envy of another's success and their stuff. Number nine, fits of rage. And I think the Greek word explains it very well. The Greek word is thumos, and it means explosive anger that flames into violent words or actions. Now, in Greek, it is pictured as one who breathes violently. I imagine a human fire-breathing dragon, but instead of literal fire, it's really just words that are filled with rage and hate and malice. But the results are the same. They both bring destruction. Number 10, selfish ambition. Greek word is eretheia, and it means the seeking of power. It's the idea of self-promotion or politicking. The same word was found before New Testament times in Aristotle's writings. And he used it where it denoted a self-seeking pursuit of political office by unfair means. Number 11, dissensions. The Greek word is diskostasia. And it means introducing divisive teaching not supported by God's word. Some church people claim to have or may actually have experiences that, excuse me, experiences that are not found anywhere in the Bible. But they treat those experiences as if they are just as legitimate and genuine as the ones listed and sanctioned in Scripture. You know, they have their own set of spiritual gifts that are not found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, for example. One of the unfortunate results is that they place these experiences on the same level or an even higher level than the Bible. Oftentimes, these supplant and supersede genuine workings of the Holy Spirit. If a so-called spiritual experience is not backed up by God's word, then you need to be very, very careful. Number 12, factions. Factions. Greek word is heresaeus. It's division within the, within the congregation into selfish groups or cliques that ultimately destroy the unity of the church. This is often accomplished through heretical teaching or by spreading gossip in the church. Simply by spreading gossip in the church. We should have no part in that. Number 13, envy. Greek word is thonos. And it's resentful dislike of another person who has something that you want, something that you desire. That something might be material in nature, like a house, a job, or a car. But it might also be relational, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. It might even be spiritual, like spiritual gifts, or someone's joy, or their peace that they have in Christ. Sometimes we can be envious of any of those things or other things. Now, number 14, drunkenness. The Greek word is methe, and it's 
impairing one's mental or physical control or judgment by alcohol or another intoxicant. Methe, and I found this very interesting, Methe was the name of the Greek goddess of drunkenness. Methe was the name of the Greek goddess of drunkenness. This could also be understood in light of today's drugs, like methamphetamines, which were first developed for good in the 1880s. But it turns out, hmm, they're actually harmful for you. Number 15, orgies. Greek word is komos, and it means a party spirit involving alcohol, drugs, sex, or things like that. And I think that these might be common in certain college and university settings or even in certain social groups. That's just what they do. So let me summarize. To practice these indicates that one has shut him or herself out of the kingdom of God and does not possess eternal salvation. Paul says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this, this is your lifestyle, and you have no intentions of changing or turning around, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now notice that the works of the flesh harm relationships, both with God and with other people. They cause us to violate verse 14, which says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no way to truly love someone if you are giving into our fleshly, natural desires and propensities. We're really just living ungodly, selfish lives. This is what life looks like when we live life on our own terms. These are the byproducts of doing things our own way. It is a religion of the flesh, a religion of self. Keep in mind that religion is mankind's attempt to try to reach God, try to please God, or even try to try to become our own God and call our own shots. Now, on a more positive note, let's look at verses 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So let's work through the rest of side two called the fruit of the Spirit. First one is love. Don't you love that word? Love. The Greek word is agape or agape. And it means a caring for and seeking the highest good of another person without motive of personal gain. It is supreme love. The word is most often attributed to the way God expresses himself to us. His unconditional, supreme love. Number two, joy. The Greek word is kara. And it means the feeling of gladness based on the love, grace, and blessings, the promises and nearness of God that belong to those who believe in and live for Christ. Number three is peace. In college, this was my favorite Greek word. And the way that I memorized it, I mean, the Greek word is eirene. So the way that I memorized it was peace on a rainy day. 
So there you go. Hopefully you've learned one thing today. Peace on a rainy day. And it means the quietness of heart and mind based on the knowledge that all is well between God and myself. Number four, patience or forbearance. The Greek word is macrothemia. It means endurance, long-suffering, being slow to anger or despair. Number five, kindness. Greek word, christotes, not wanting to hurt anyone or cause them pain. I think that's one of the most amazing spirit, or, uh, fruits of the Spirit right there. Kindness. Romans 2.4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? What an amazing, amazing fruit of the Spirit. Kindness. Number six, goodness. Greek word is agathusene, and it means zeal for truth and righteousness and a hatred for evil. I think this is the picture of Jesus overthrowing the temple or the, the uh, tables in the temple. Number seven, faithfulness. Greek word is pistis, and it means an unf- a firm and unswerving loyalty to a person to whom one is united by promise, commitment, trustworthiness, and honesty, a.k.a. Marriage, for those of you Princess Bride fans. Okay, well, maybe that'll work in second service. If you've not seen Princess Bride, it is not spiritual, but it's funny. So I'd highly recommend it. Number eight, gentleness. Greek word is protes, and it means restraint coupled with strength and courage. It describes a person who can be angry, righteously so, when anger is needed, and humbly submissive when submission is needed. And I think of Jesus. I think of Moses. They both typified gentleness. And then number nine, self-control. Greek word, ekrataia. And it means mastering one's own desires and passions, including faithfulness to one's marriage vows. But it also means purity before, during, and after a marriage has ended for whatever reason. So allow me to summarize. Verse 23b says, against such things there is no law. There are no limitations on the fruit of the Spirit. You can grow as much fruit as you want. You can have bushels full of fruit. Christians can, in fact, must practice these virtues over and over and over again. We will never find a law prohibiting us from living according to these principles. Now, here's an interesting note. Some Bible scholars point out that the Greek word for fruit here is in the singular. It's not plural. And that the original Greek sentence structure would permit a colon after the word love. So although these other things are part of the fruit, love could very well be the primary fruit. So what does that mean? Love is the fruit of the Spirit, and the other words stem from love. They further describe love. So love is joy. Love is peace. Love is patience. Love is kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, self-control. Just something to consider. Now on another note here, let's not confuse spiritual gifts with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit is for all believers. All nine fruit are for every believer. The fruit is the normal expected outcome of Christian growth, Christian maturity, Christian holiness, Christ-likeness, and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in us. Since all Christians have the privilege and responsibility of growing in their faith, we have the responsibility of developing the fruit of the Spirit. How do you get a fruit tree to grow better? Well, you fertilize it, you water it. What's another thing you do? You prune it. What does that mean for us? There might be a little discomfort. You might lose a few things along the way, but the, great, the gain is much greater. The gain is far worth it. Now keep in mind, fruit is not discovered Fruit is not discovered. You don't go out one day and go, oh, I've got an apple tree in my yard. That's amazing. Didn't know that. Lived here for 20 years, but I got an apple tree there. You know it's there. Fruit is not discovered, as are the gifts of the Spirit. Fruit is developed. Fruit is grown through our walk with Christ. The fruit of the Spirit shows the health that grows or is produced supernaturally from our relationship with Christ. So let me bring this to a close. What does all this mean for all of us? What does it mean for you? It means that we need to take an honest look at our lives to make sure that we are truly in relationship with Jesus. And if so, then we should be manifesting and producing the fruit of the Spirit. If not, then it probably means that there's a disconnect somewhere. It may be as simple as not understanding that we cannot live to please ourselves, or it may mean we haven't yet discovered, or excuse me, we haven't yet surrendered all of our lives to Christ. So we've got some work to do. So whatever the cause may be, today is a perfect day to make sure we have things spiritually squared away with Christ. And today is also a great day to make sure that we have things squared away relationally with those around us, those that we are in relationship with. If there's anything between us and another brother or sister in Christ, or anything between myself and my neighbor, I need to make that right. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that we have the opportunity to be exposed to your word. God, it's your word and your Holy Spirit working through your word that changes us. God, I pray that you will help transformation to take place in all of us today, regardless of where we're at in this journey with you. Father, I pray that you will help us to yield our will to you. Help us to allow you to live in us and to work through us, to love through us. Help us to manifest the fruit of the Spirit because we are connected with you. We are abiding in you. God, I pray that you'll bring encouragement, peace, and provision to your body today. We love you and we thank you. You're a good God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, many blessings on you. We hope to see you next Sunday. Have a great week.
church, would you stand and worship with us? I'd like to welcome everyone online as well. Let's go. I am weary from the waves crashing.
Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing? We're so glad that you're with us. We're going to keep worshiping for the next 10 minutes or so. Let's just open up our hearts this morning, allow God to move in us. Jesus, we invite you here. You're welcome. And we welcome you with praise, God.
before you this morning. We lay our needs, our families, our finances, God, before your feet this morning. I truly believe that this morning, you know, many of us walk in here coming from so many different circumstances and life hits us from so many different angles. And yet Jesus, he's here to meet with you this morning. So if you have a need this morning, let's just take the next moment and let's just lay it before his feet. We're here to meet with the God of the universe, the God who created you, the God who created everything. And let's just praise him. Can we do that together this morning? Let's just sing how great one more time. And whatever your circumstances, let's just lay it before him this morning. How great, how great is your love, how great. How great, how great is your love for us. How great, how great, how great, how great is your love. How great, how great, how great is your love. How great, how great, how great is your love for us. 
say you are with us, that you have gone before us today, Lord. God, we give you, Lord, our families. We give you our finances. We give you our circumstances at work, Lord, believing that you will make a way because you are great and you are mighty. Just give him another shout of praise in this place this morning, Lord. You are good. just want to say welcome to Life Church, whether this is your first time or your hundredth or thousandth time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us online this morning as well. We're so glad that you made it, and we're just believing for great things. I just want to remind you, last week we had our girls from 180 Ministries out in Erda, Utah. We are going to go out on October 3rd, and we're going to go and bless them, help them with some very practical needs in their home. So if you haven't signed up, it's not too late. Go to our Facebook page at Life Church Utah, and you can do that this morning or throughout this week. I also just want to say, again, thank you for being here. Thank you for those who are serving and just being faithful. And also, as we continue on in this service, and we're going to take up our offering in this in a moment, but I just want to challenge you, whatever God has, wherever God has placed you, be faithful. You know, if he's placed you to be a servant at work, whether he's placed you to serve those in your neighborhood or your family or even here at the church, be faithful. And God honors that. And so this morning as we give, I just want to again challenge you, be faithful, not because you have to, because you want to and you want to worship the Lord and trust him not only with your time and not only with your relationships but with your finances this morning and I know and I believe that God will bless it so I'd like to invite our ushers up this morning if you're here in person in a few moments you'll have an opportunity to come and you can give your offering that way you can also give online at lifechurchutah.com or you can text to give to the number on the screen and let's just pray and let's believe for great things this morning Lord, we thank you that you are a great God, a great God who knows us, who sees us, God, who knows every single details of our life. So this morning, as we take the act of faith and saying, Lord, here is my finances, Lord, we're saying we trust you and we believe, God, for you to make a way. Lord, use these finances to bless our community, to bless our families, Lord. We just praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you can take the next 60 seconds. You can come and you can give your offering this morning up front. You can also go around, find someone you don't know, give them an air high five, give them a smile with your eyes, and just say, welcome to Life Church. Good morning, Life Church. 
Again, that's about three and a half of you. I thought by this time of day you would be awake. Good morning, Life Church. You excited to be here? Front row excited? Mom is. All right. How about the back row? Shouldn't have anybody on the back row. No, we do a little bit. We're glad you're here. Pastor Rich and Shelley are in Montana. Pastor Rich's stepfather passed away, so they're up there taking care of some arrangements. The funeral was yesterday. So let's just uh, stop a minute and pray for the peace and provision for their family. So join with me now. Father God, we thank you so much that we can call upon your name because we know that you hear us. God, we do pray that you will touch Pastor Rich, Shelley, and the family. We ask that you will surround them with your presence. Give them peace. Give them wisdom and direction as they move forward with the steps necessary to get things handled. God, we pray that you will just touch them in every way. Bring them back safely, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You excited to be here today? I think I'm going to stop asking you questions. Other than this. Ushers, take Charlie out of here. Get him out of here. How many of you have had your coffee this morning? How many of you should have had your coffee this morning? All right, a couple of you. All right, I told the first service this. The point of preaching is for you to respond. That's the whole point. I mean, why else do we speak? Why else do we teach? Except to solicit a response. Now, a, a response is much more than you uh, interacting with me when I ask you goofy questions and things like that. The primary point of a message is for you to respond to the whole of the message at the end. You figure out what the main point is and then respond accordingly. Respond in faith and obedience so that your life will be changed, so that your life will be different. Give God that opportunity to work in your life. That's why we preach and teach. That's why we hold services. Right? All right. Okay, that was in the form of a question, and I told you I wasn't going to do that, but I did anyway. All right, let's jump into today's message. We are currently in a great series called Bound to be Free, which is taken from the book of Galatians. And notice the play on words, bound to be free. Kind of an oxymoron, or just a moron, whatever. Just trying to make sure you're awake. We've learned that God has released us from bondage so that we can live in his true freedom. And that freedom is intended to bring honor to God, blessings to our lives, and blessings to those around us. Freedom is a beautiful thing. We're not talking about independence, but we're talking about the freedom that we have in Christ to not have to live the way we used to live before we came to Christ. We now have freedom from the sinful nature and everything that held us back spiritually. Now, here's a good way to think of the structure of the book of Galatians. Galatians 1.1 through 2.21 can be labeled the gospel of grace defended. Galatians 3.1 through 4.31 could be titled the gospel of grace explained. And then finally, Galatians 5.1 through 6.18 might be thought of as the gospel of grace applied. So we have defended, explained, and applied. Today we're going to continue our study by looking at the chapter, uh, chapter 5 that is, of Galatians. 
So let's begin in verse 1. The Apostle Paul, who was a leader in the New Testament church, wrote the following. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. How many of you can obey the whole law? I can't. None of us can. That's why circumcision and this whole context is important for us to understand. Verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision excuse me, has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Verse 7, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? To keep you from obeying the truth. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, then why am I being persecuted? Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, now hold on. I don't know if you've heard this verse or read this verse, but fasten your seatbelts. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Wow, Paul. He pulled no punches. And the reason he pulled no punches was because he understood the impossibility and eternal consequences of trying to earn our way into God's kingdom. He goes on to say in verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other, not by the devil, not by those outside the church who hate God and hate the church, but you will destroy each other. Verse 16, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you were led by the Spirit, you were not under law. Verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Obvious, clear, in your face. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, those who practice these things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here's a great contrast, beginning at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. Against such things, there is no law prohibiting the expression of this fruit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I don't know about you, but that's a lot to take in. That's a lot to think about. There are a lot of words there. So let's work our way back through verses 13 through 26. And let's take a little more time with this topic. Now there we're going to see two lists. The first list is the works of the flesh. The second is the fruit of the Spirit. So follow along with me as I read again verse 13 and so on. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Imagine that Paul the Apostle is writing this to us today. You, people of Life Church, were called to be free. Not free to do whatever you want, not free to live any way you want, but you were called to be free so that you can bring honor and glory to me, is what he says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge yourself, to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, or you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you were led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Again, verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are in your face. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and so many other things. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You should have received a handout on your way in this morning. If you did not, raise your hand, and we want to make sure that you get a handout. So I want you to be able to take something with you. Thank you, ushers. We've got one right up here, Jeff. And we're going to work through our handout. And side one deals with the works of the flesh. One is coming to you. So take a minute, look at your neighbor and say, hi. Jeff, we've got one up here on the front too. All right, number one, sexual immorality. So I'm going to give you the English word or words and I'm going to give you the Greek word as well. So in English, it's sexual immorality. In the Greek, it's porneia. Does that word sound familiar? That's where we get the English word pornography. 
And it means immoral sexual conduct and or intercourse. And we're going to run right through these. Number two, impurity. Impurity, the Greek word there is akatharsia. And it means sexual sins, evil deeds and vices, including thoughts and desires of the heart. These include actions, but they also involve motives, thoughts, and inappropriate, unchecked sexual desires. Number three, debauchery. That is a very descriptive word. It's a hard word, debauchery. It just sounds bad. The Greek word is aselgia, and it means sensuality, following one's passions and desires to the point of having no shame or public decency. Decorum is out the window. Now, I've never been there, but I've heard that Paul might have been referring to a scene like Carnival in Rio de Janeiro or Mardi Gras in New Orleans. I'm not, not going to ask for a show of hands of those of you who've been there, but if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you've seen it on TV or the internet, you have an idea what that's all about. So let me encourage you not to go to those. Number four, idolatry. The Greek word is much like that. It's called idolatria. And it means to trust in any one person, institution, or thing as having equal or greater authority or value than God and his word. Number five, witchcraft. Witchcraft. The Greek word is pharmakia. And this involves sorcery, spiritism, black magic, worship of demons. And in particular, it involves the use of drugs to produce, produce a spiritual experience. You see this a lot in third world countries, but you also see it here in the United States. Number six, hatred. The Greek word is ekthra. And it means intense, hostile intentions or feelings and acts it also means an extreme dislike or enmity for another person or for people. This could be race-related. It could be broken relationship-related. It could be familial. It could be abuse-related. It doesn't matter, but it means an intense, hostile intentions and acts, extreme dislike or enmity. This also carries with it the idea of being unforgiving and resentful. Ever, have a hard, ever had a hard time forgiving? I have. How do you feel when you feel unforgiving? You feel peaceful? You feel ready to pray? Feel ready to come in on a Sunday morning and worship? No, none of those things. Now, a lot of people or some people who are unforgiving, if they hold on to that long enough, it takes root and it becomes what's called bitterness. And if you become embittered, you really are in a very desperate spiritual state. So don't let it get to that point. Pastor Jim used to say, our former pastor used to say, keep short accounts with God and keep short accounts with other people. Make sure that you are forgiven, you're asking for forgiveness, and you are staying in right relationship with people around you. Now, some people won't accept your apology. 
You ever had anybody not accept your apology? Apparently, you've not done enough to earn or to merit their forgiveness. You could even go to a cross and be crucified, and they still would not accept your apology. But that's on them. You need to do what you know is right, and that is to ask forgiveness and to seek reconciliation in your relationships. Number seven, discord. The Greek word is eris. And it means quarreling, antagonism, struggle for power, control, or superiority. The ultimate control freak. Number eight, jealousy. The Greek word is zelos. And it means resentfulness, envy of another success, or envy of someone else's stuff, their toys. Number nine, fits of rage. The Greek word is thumas, and it means explosive anger that flames into violent words and actions. You ever seen anybody freak out? Oh, that's just Uncle Joe. That's just the way he is. It may be, but Uncle Joe has a problem. Let's not be like Uncle Joe. And forgive me if you are Uncle Joe in here. I'm not <laughs> referencing you at all. So again, the English word is, or words are fits of rage. The Greek word thumos. Now in Greek, it is pictured as one who breathes violently. I imagine a human fire-breathing dragon combination. But instead of literal fire, it's words filled with rage. But the results are the same. The end result is burning destruction in relationships in particular. Number 10, selfish ambition. The Greek word is erethia, and it simply means seeking power. Seeking power. It could mean control. You're seeking control over another person or over people or an institution. Sometimes you see that in church life. You know, somebody doesn't like the leadership of the pastor, of the pastor or the pastoral team. And they are going to exert their power because they're going to take control and they're going to try to move this church in what they feel is God's real direction. That's not a godly trait. That's a work of the flesh. So don't be confused. It also carries with it the idea of self-promotion or politicking. The same word was found before the New Testament was even written. Aristotle used it, and he was talking about, he used it in the context of a person who was pursuing political office, but doing it by unfair means. They were begging, borrowing, stealing, and cheating their way to the top, and it was a selfish seeking of power and control. Number 11, dissensions. Dissensions. The Greek word is diskostasia, and it means introducing divisive teaching not supported by God's word. Some church people claim to have or may actually have experiences that are not found anywhere in the Bible, and they treat those experiences as if they are just as legitimate and genuine as the ones listed and sanctioned in Scripture. And I'm specifically referring to 1 Corinthians 12 
and 14, where it deals with the gifts of the Spirit. This person or these people may have their own set of gifts that are not biblically based at all. One of the unfortunate results is that they place these experiences on the same level or an even higher level than God's Word. And we have a lot of false religions that have followed that same prescription. Oftentimes, these supplant and supersede genuine workings of the Holy Spirit. If a so-called spiritual experience is not backed up by God's word, then I would encourage you to have nothing to do with it because it may very well be false. Number 12, factions. The Greek word is heresaeus. And it means division within a congregation into selfish groups or cliques that destroy the unity of the church. Again, this could be ethnically driven. It could be economically driven. It could be personality driven. It doesn't matter. But factions are bad. This is often accomplished through heretical teaching or by spreading gossip in the church. Some people may come up with a new interpretation of the Bible, a new revelation, well, that's dangerous. Number 13, envy. The Greek word is thonos, and it means resentful dislike of another person who has something that you want, something that you desire. That something might be material in nature, like a house, a job, a car, but it might also be relational, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, but it might even be spiritual, like spiritual gifts. You look at a person and you see a spiritual gift that they have and you don't have it, and you're like, oh, I'm envious of that. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't desire spiritual gifts because Paul said that we should desire spiritual gifts, but we should not be envious of someone who has something that you don't because you have something that they don't. So God gives, he distributes the gifts of the Spirit and other gifts as he sees fit. And number 14, drunkenness. Excessive alcohol use. The Greek word is methe. And it means impairing one's mental or physical control or judgment by alcohol or another intoxicant. I found this very interesting in my study. I had no idea. Methe was the name of the Greek goddess of drunkenness. Paul knew that. That's why he used the word methe. This can also be understood in light of today's drugs. Methamphetamines. You ever heard of those? They will flush your life right down the tubes. Do you know that in the 1880s, methamphetamines were actually developed by a Romanian doctor so that he could help with uh, medical treatments and so forth. But it was soon discovered that methamphetamines were, in, were addictive and destructive. So the, the destructiveness far outweighed any benefits with methamphetamines. And then finally, number 15, orgies. The Greek word here is komos. And it means a party spirit involving alcohol, drugs, sex, and other things like that. These might be common in certain colleges and university settings or even in certain social groups. 
That's just what they do. Now, let me summarize. To practice these indicates that one has shut himself or herself out of the kingdom of God and does not possess eternal salvation. Paul says in 21b, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice that the works of the flesh do a lot of harm to relationships. They don't benefit your relationships at all. And it affects your relationship with God, and it affects your relationship with your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, anyone that you come into contact with. Now, notice that the works of the flesh really violate verse 14 in Galatians chapter 5. And it says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love your neighbor as yourself. It's really hard to love your neighbor if you're cursing at them. It's really hard to love your neighbor if you're gossiping about them. It's really hard to love your neighbor if you're spewing out venomous, hateful words to them. There is no way to truly love someone if we are giving in to our fleshly, natural, or even evil desires and propensities. We're really just living ungodly, selfish, evil lives. Now, this is what life looks like when we live life on our own terms. These are the byproducts of doing things our own way. It's a religion of the flesh, a religion of self. Keep in mind that religion is mankind's way of trying to reach God, maybe even trying to be God. The end results are the same, separation from God and broken relationships with people. Now, on a better note, let's look at Galatians 5, through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Well, what does that mean? There's no law against it. It means there's no law prohibiting the growth and full expression of the fruit of the Spirit. No limitations. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Right there, there are three more works of the flesh. Conceitedness, provoking, and envying. Now let's work through the rest of side two of our handout titled, The Fruit of the Spirit. The first one is love. We've all heard that. The Greek word, I'm sure most of you have heard it, is agape or agape. And it is a caring for and seeking the highest good of another person without motive of personal gain. Supreme love. It's love expressed with no strings attached. The word is most often attributed to the way that God expresses himself to us. Number two, joy. The Greek word is kara. And it means the feeling of gladness based on the love, grace, blessings, promises, and nearness of God that belong to those who believe in and live for Christ. 
Number three, peace. This was my favorite Greek word in college. In studying Greek, trust me, Greek is just that. It's all Greek to me. But the way that I memorized the word peace in Greek was erene. Think of it this way, peace on erene day. Yep. I have to attribute that to my professor, my Greek professor. And it means the quietness of heart and mind based on the knowledge that all is well between the believer and his or her heavenly father. Number four, patience or forbearance. The Greek word is macrothemia, and it means endurance, long-suffering, being slow to anger or despair. This is for you, parents. Right? This is for you, spouse, with an unbelieving spouse. This is for you, workers, who work for an ungodly boss. Patience or forbearance. Number five, kindness. Kindness. The Greek word is christotes, and it means not wanting to hurt anyone or cause them pain. What an amazing fruit of the Spirit. The actual motivation to be kind, to not bring harm to anyone. Romans 2.4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Yes, it is. That's good stuff. Number six, goodness. The Greek word is agathusene. And it is a zeal for truth and righteousness and a hatred for evil. I think this is a picture of Jesus overthrowing the tables, the tables of the money changers in the temple in Jerusalem. Number seven, faithfulness. The Greek word is pistis. And it is a firm and unswerving loyalty to a person to whom one is united by promise, commitment, trustworthiness, and honesty. Also known as marriage. Number eight, gentleness. Greek word, egretia. And it means mastering one's own desires and passions, including faithfulness to one's marriage vows. It's also purity. Purity before, during, and after a marriage has ended for whatever reason. So allow me to summarize. Verse 23b says, against such things there is no law. Christians can, in fact, must practice these virtues over and over and over again. We will never find a law prohibiting us from living according to these principles. Now, here's an interesting note about the fruit of the Spirit. Some Bible scholars point out that the Greek word for fruit here is in the singular. It's not plural. And this is just something to think about. I'm not pushing a new doctrine or anything like that. I just want you to think about it. The Greek word for fruit is singular. And the original Greek sentence structure would permit a colon after the word love. So although these other things are part of the fruit, love could very well be the primary fruit. So if you look at it, love could be joyful. 
could be peaceful, could be patient, forbearing, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and filled with self-control. So what does that mean? Love is the fruit of the Spirit, and the other words stem from and further describe what love is. It describes how love is expressed. Now let's not confuse spiritual gifts with the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are found, again, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 primarily. But here in Galatians 5, we have the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit is for all believers. Every believer will have fruit coming out of their lives. Everyone. But not every believer will have every gift of the Spirit evident in our lives. Do you understand the difference? For more on that, go to 1 Corinthians 12, throw chapter 13 in there, that's the love chapter, and then chapter 14, which further talks about the use of spiritual gifts. So again, fruit is normal, and it's an expected outcome of Christian growth and the fullness of the Holy Spirit that we should have in all of our lives. Since all Christians have the privilege and responsibility of growing in our faith, we all have the responsibility of developing the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you have ever had a fruit tree? One and a half of you. No, that's not true. Maybe 10 of you. What do you have to do to a fruit tree to get it to grow? You got to water it. Well, first you have to buy it. Then you have to plant it. You got to water it. You got to fertilize it. But what is, what is one of the most important things you have to do to a fruit tree to get it to produce? You got to prune it. And that's the picture of our lives. You got to water your life. You got to fertilize your life. You got to be in relationship with other people. But pruning is an important part of that. Sometimes our spiritual trees get some dead branches on them. Ever had any dead branches on your spiritual life? The Holy Spirit comes along and helps you to prune those away. Oftentimes it comes through relationships with other people. The Old Testament says, as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. We need each other. We are better together. We have to be in relationship with each other. So don't run from the pruning that God will bring to all of us because we must produce fruit. Also, fruit is not discovered as are the gifts of the Spirit. Fruit is developed through a believer's walk in Christ and through submission to the Holy Spirit. Although spiritual gifts, excuse me, spiritual gifts help define what a Christian does, the fruit of the Spirit helps define what a Christian is. Let me say that again. The fruit of the Spirit, excuse me, spiritual gifts help define what a Christian does, and the fruit of the Spirit helps define what a Christian is. The fruit of the Spirit shows the health that grows or is produced supernaturally from our relationship with God. So let me bring this message to a close. What does this mean for us? What does it mean for you? 
It means that we need to take an honest look at our lives to make sure we are truly in relationship with Jesus. And if so, then we should be manifesting and producing the fruit of the Spirit. If not, then it probably means we have a disconnect somewhere. It may be as simple as not understanding that we cannot live simply to please ourselves. Or it may mean that we haven't yet surrendered our lives completely to the Lordship of Christ. Whatever the cause, today is a great day to make a change. Today is a great day to make a change. Again, going back to my opening comments, what is the point of preaching? What is the point of teaching? For you to learn, for me to learn, but it's for me to respond, for you to respond. That's why services are so important. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we have this opportunity to be exposed to your word. Lord, I pray that your word will change us from the inside out as we submit ourselves, as we yield ourselves to your lordship. God, I pray that you will help each and every person here today to be in right relationship with you. And if there's anyone here who's not in right relationship, God, help them to surrender themselves to you today. And I pray that you will just change them again from the inside out. Lord, for those who are struggling in the area of exhibiting and growing and manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, I pray that you will just work in us in an even greater way. God, help us not to run from your pruning. Help us not to resist your pruning. But Lord, help us to embrace it because we know that through pruning, we will grow. And we will grow in you and we will be much more like you. God, I pray that your blessing will go upon each and every person here today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hope you have a great week. And we'll see you next Sunday. Hola, buenas tardes. Qué bueno que ya están aquí acompañándonos. Vamos a cantar, vamos a cantar tres canciones. Amén. Las cosas alrededor de nosotros están cambiando, ¿verdad, hermanos? Han cambiado nuestras prioridades también. Amén. Ah, vamos a aprovechar cada momento que tengamos de estar aquí, que se nos ha permitido estar aquí, para adorar el nombre de nuestro Dios. Cada momento, hermanos, si están en su casa, acompáñenos a cantar con todo nuestro corazón. Vamos a enfocarnos, a poner nuestros ojos en Jesús, amén, el autor y, y, el, y el creador de la vida. Acompáñenos a cantar.
estar contigo Señor En este momento solo queremos Contemplar tu presencia Señor Porque sabemos que tú estás aquí
Señor, porque eres un buen padre. Ya, dale un aplauso. Señor fue, me buscó, me limpió Me daba como pena Y yo decía en un momento ¿Por qué me da pena levantar mis manos? Y él hizo todo por mí Si él me cambió Y yo me ponía a pensar Si yo hacía tantas cosas locas allá afuera ¿Cómo ahora que él me limpió, me transformó? No voy a ser capaz En medio de la congregación de los santos Como nos llama la palabra Poder levantar mis manos al cielo Y decirle gracias Señor Gracias por tu fidelidad Gracias porque eres bueno Porque me llamaste amigo No solo por morir en la cruz Que es el precio máximo Que pagaste por un hombre como yo Sino que tú mereces toda la honra Y que si entendiéramos como iglesia Que fuimos creados para la alabanza de su nombre Usted nunca dejaría sus manos abajo Hermano Cristian Levantar las manos me hace más espiritual No es una manera de rendirse El levantar las manos al cielo Es reconocer que Él está por encima De todas las cosas Es reconocer que Él está arriba Y tú estás abajo Que Él es creador y tú eres creación Y que las circunstancias que estés atravesado Nunca, nunca se podrán comparar A su poder y a su amor A su gracia Por eso esta canción dice Cuán gran, cuán gran Cuán gran es su amor ¿La puedes repetir juntos? ¿La podemos repetir? ¿Can you sing it again? Juan Gran Please su amor Juan Gran Juan Gran Juan Gran Levante sus manos Bien en alto Bien en alto Bien en alto Worship Him Adórale Adórale Levanta adoración grande su amor hijos una vez más cuán grande Come on. cuán gran cuán gran es su amor cuán gran cuán gran cuán gran es su amor cuán gran cuán gran cuán gran es su amor por mí one more time say cuán gran cuán gran Él es grande. 
mano de Dios te toca ahí donde estás El poder de Dios llega donde estás En medio de tu crisis, en medio de tu situación En medio de tu prueba, de la hora de dolor Él llega a ese lugar A los que me miran por internet El Señor te está tocando, te está ministrando Te está hablando porque Él te ama Porque le pertenece Porque Él te llama nación santa Pueblo escogido por Dios Para anunciar las virtudes de aquel Siento la presencia del Señor. Cuán grande, cuán grande es tu amor. Cuán grande, cuán grande es tu amor por mí. La palabra dice que un día toda lengua confesará y toda rodilla se va a doblar. Mormones, testigos de Jehová, bautistas, presbiterianos, budistas y tuistas musulmanes un día no tendrán una op otra opción que reconocer que Jesús es el Rey de Reyes y el Señor de los Señores y caerán postrados delante de su presencia y levantarán su vista al cielo y dirán he ahí el Cordero de Dios que quita el pecado del mundo levante sus manos al cielo y diga Señor eres grande eres grande eres grande no vuelva a la iglesia un club social es un lugar para Venir a abrir el corazón y decirle Señor tú eres todo para mí Eres lo que yo necesito Eres la razón de mi vida Tal vez el que está al lado no lo entiende Pero usted que el Señor lo libró de la muerte Lo sanó de una gran enfermedad Lo libró de la ruina Tal vez usted sí sabe de lo que yo estoy hablando Yo no pretendo que todos entiendan lo que yo le digo Pero aquí hay gente que dice si no fuera por Dios Yo hoy no estaría aquí si no fuera por su gracia, por su poder, por su majestad, porque no se dio vencido por mí. Es que hoy estoy aquí levantando mis manos al cielo. ¿Habrá algún agradecido y acá? Dios es fiel. Quiero que voltee al que está a su lado y le diga, Dios es fiel, Dios es fiel. God is faithful, God is faithful. I don't know what, you, what you're going through, but God is faithful. God is faithful Puede voltear el que está atrás y decirle Dios es fiel Puede mirar a dos o tres God is faithful pastor And God gonna use you today God is faithful Puede saludar a dos o tres así De ese vuelta y dígale Hey God is faithful Dios es fiel A los que sirven aquí Salude a esta banda hermosa y Dígale Dios es fiel Gracias por dejarse usar They're gonna say hi to you <laughs> Le podemos dar un aplauso fuerte al Señor No, no, no Pero que se oiga así que le chilla en las manos Natasha please Good morning Buenas tardes This morning I want to share with you an opportunity that we have Hoy día quiero compartir con ustedes una oportunidad que tenemos to bless one of the ministries um, in Tuila Para poder bendecir a un ministerio en la ciudad de Tuila 
The ministry is called 180 Ministries. El ministerio se llama 180 Ministerios. And it's for girls who have found themselves in a really difficult position of life. Y es para muchachas adolescentes que se han encontrado en situaciones muy difíciles en su vida. Many of the girls go to the home drug addicted. Hay muchas niñas que llegan al lugar y tienen adicción a drogas. Have broken relationships with their families. Tienen relaciones destrozadas con sus familias. And have, are in a place of where they just need to know the Lord. Y están en una época y lugar donde necesitan más de Dios. So on October 3rd at 9 a.m. En octubre 3 a las 10 de, a las 9 de la mañana, 9 a.m. We are going to their home in Erda, Utah. Vamos a ir a su casa en Erda, Utah. And we're going to help them by taking care of projects around their house. We're going to do things like painting. Vamos a hacer cosas como pintar la casa. Pulling weeds. Quitando las... <laughs> Este, viñas malas de la, del pasto. Uh, fixing their sprinklers. También este, arreglando y reparando sus este, equipo de regadores. And fixing other small repairs around the home that need to be fixed. Que necesite la casa. We would love for you to join us. Nos encantaría que nos unamos. To sign up, go to the lobby after the service. Después del servicio, nos encantaría que vinieras a la mesa en el and, lobby adentro en la entrada. And we will find a place for you. Y encontraremos un lugar para que tú puedas apoyarnos y te inscribas para ese día. You can also sign up by going to our Facebook page. También puedes inscribirte visitando nuestro sitio web Facebook. And find a project that you would like to sign up for there. Y encontres un proyecto que te gustaría ayudar. So um, I will look forward to seeing you there. Los espero ahí en la mesa. And I'll be pulling weeds with you. Para poder también estar arrancando viñas malas. Amen, amen. Dios bueno. Para todos aquellos que son nuevos nos visitan por primera vez. Aquí tienen este cartoncito lo pueden encontrar en la parte de adelante de su silla. Completarlo y entregarlo a la salida. Vamos a entregar nuestros diezmos y nuestras ofrendas. ¿Le parece? Quiero que lo tome en su mano, lo pueda levantar al cielo si usted ya lo ha preparado. Usted puede hacerlo de manera online, también puede hacerlo en los kioscos, puede entregar su ofrenda, su diezmo. Qué hermosa canción, ¿no? Qué hermosa canción. Cuán gran, cuán gran, cuán grande es Él. Le invito a que se ponga de pie y pueda decirle, Señor, gracias. Sabía que hay gente que está en crisis, en prueba, gente que no tiene alimento gente que está sufriendo aún aquí en los Estados Unidos no puede decir cómo en los Estados Unidos hay gente en gran necesidad pero la misericordia de Dios llegó hasta su casa dice amén le invito a que se ponga de pie levante su sobre en alto su ofrenda en alto como un símbolo de agradecimiento es como un símbolo de agradecimiento y si usted dice yo no traje ofrenda lo mismo póngase de pie dígale Señor gracias Señor bendecimos estas ofrendas Declaramos, Señor, que tú puedes hacer mucho más abundantemente de lo que pedimos o entendemos. Señor, que tú no necesitas el dinero, tú no necesitas el cash. Tú necesitas un corazón agradecido y que pueda entregar sus ofrendas y sus diezmos con un corazón en gratitud. Porque tú amas al dador alegre. Señor, te damos gracias por esto y por todo lo que vas a hacer en el nombre de Jesús. 
amén y amén Quiero invitarle que salga de su banca y pueda entregar a los servidores sus ofrendas Y decirle que también tenemos red social Life Church Utah en español en Instagram Y quiero pedirle también a todos los niños que pueden ir, allá están las maestras listas para ir Y que pueda tomar estos 60 seconds para saludarse ¿Le parece? Vamos a saludarnos entonces Gracias Buenas tardes, Life Church Español. Very good. You must be awake. Muy bien, parece que están despiertos. Have you had your coffee today? ¿Ya tomaron su café hoy? Two cups? Dos vasos? Tres. Más? Más? That's all I know. That's it. All right. Pastor Rich and Shelly are not here today. Nuestros pastores Rich y Shelly no están aquí para el momento. Pastor Rich's stepfather passed away. But he sends his love and his greetings to you. And we want to take a minute and pray for them. That the Lord will comfort them. And bring them his peace. So let's pray. Father, we love you. Señor, te amamos. We ask that you will touch. Te preguntamos que por favor le toques. Pastor Rich and Shelley. La vida del Pastor Rich y Pastora Shelley. And their whole family. Y toda su familia. Please bring your peace. Dales paz. Your comfort. Tu fortaleza. And your wisdom to them. Tu sabiduría. Bring them back safely. Tráelos de regreso con bien. And we thank you, Jesus. Y te agradecemos, Señor. Amen. Amen. We are currently in a series called Bound to be Free. Actualmente estamos en una serie atados a ser libres. And this is taken from the book of Galatians. Y esto está tomado del libro de Gálatas. Notice the play on words. Noten el juego entre palabras. Bound atados to be free. A ser libres. We have learned Hemos aprendido that God has released us from bondage. Que el Señor nos ha liberado de la esclavitud. So that we can live in his true freedom. Para poder vivir en su libertad. And this freedom y esta libertad is intended to honor God es para que el propósito de honrar a Dios and to be a blessing to us y ser de bendición para nosotros and to all of those around us. y aquellos que nos rodean. Aquí hay una buena manera de pensar en la estructura de Galatas. Galatians 1.1 through 2.21 
Galatas 1.1 de 2 al 21 can be labeled the gospel of grace defended. Puede ser etiquetado como el evangelio de gracia defendido. Galatians 3.1 through 4.31 Galatas 3.1 al 4 y 31 could be titled the gospel of grace explained. Puede ser nombrado como el evangelio de gracia explicado. And finally, y finalmente, Galatians 5.1 Galatas capítulo 5.1 y capítulo 6 al 18 through 6.18 might be thought of as the gospel of grace applied. Puede ser pensado como el evangelio de gracia aplicado. So you have the gospel of grace defended. Tenemos el evangelio de gracia defendido. The gospel of grace explained. El evangelio de gracia explicado. And the gospel of grace applied. Y el evangelio de gracia aplicado. Today we're going to continue our study by looking at Galatians 5. Y hoy continuaremos viendo nuestro evangelio en el Galatas capítulo 5. Let's begin in verse 1 where the Apostle Paul wrote. Y empecemos en Galatas capítulo 5 versículo 1 donde empieza. Cristo nos libertó para que vivamos en libertad. Go back. <laughs> Cristo nos libertó para que vivamos en libertad, por lo tanto... Manténganse firmes y no se sometan nuevamente al yugo de la esclavitud. Escuchen bien, yo, Pablo, les digo que si hacen circuncidar, Cristo no les servirá de nada. Siguiente. Nosotros, en cambio, por la hora del Espíritu y, y mandarte de la fe, aguardemos con ansias la justicia que es nuestra esperanza en Cristo Jesús de nada vale estar o no estar circuncidados. Lo que vale es la fe que actúa mediante el amor. Ustedes estaban corriendo bien. Next one. ¿Quién los estorbó para que dejaran de obedecer a la verdad? Tal instigación no puede venir de Dios, que es quien nos ha llamado. Un poco de levadura fermenta toda la masa y por mi parte confío en el Señor que ustedes no pensarán de otra manera. El que los está perturbando será castigado, sea quien sea. Hermanos, si es verdad que yo todavía predico la circuncisión, ¿por qué se me sigue persiguiendo? Si tal fuera mi predicación, la cruz no ofendería tanto. Ojalá que estos instigadores acabaran por mutilarse del todo. ¿Quién los estorbó para que dejaran de obedecer la verdad? Go back. Go back, Paloma. Thank you. Tal instigación no puede venir de Dios, que es quien los ha llamado. Un poco de levadura fermenta toda la masa. Y por mi parte confío en el Señor que ustedes no pensaran de otra manera. Go forward. El que está perturbando será castigado, sea quien sea, hermanos. Si es verdad que yo todavía predico la circuncisión, ¿por qué se me sigue persiguiendo? Si tal fuera mi predicación, la cruz no ofendiera tanto. Ojalá que esos instigadores acabaran por mitulearse de todo. Les hablo así, hermanos, porque si ustedes han sido llamados a ser libres, pero no se valgan de esa libertad para dar rienda suelta a sus pasiones. Más bien, sírvanse uno a los otros con amor. En efecto, Toda la ley se resume en un solo mandamiento. Ama a tu prójimo como a ti mismo. 
pero si siguen mordiéndose y devorándose, tengan cuidado, no sea que acaben por destruirse unos a otros. Así que les digo, vivan por el Espíritu y no seguirán los deseos de la naturaleza pecaminosa. Porque ésta desea lo que es contrario al Espíritu y el Espíritu desea lo que es contrario a ella. Los dos se oponen entre sí, de modo que ustedes no pueden hacer lo que quieren, pero si los quiere el Espíritu no están bajo la ley. Las obras de la naturaleza pecaminosa se conocen bien, inmoralidad sexual, impureza y libertinaje, idolatría y brujería, odio, discordia, celos, arrebatos de ira, rivalidades, disensiones, sectarismos y envidia. Borracheras, orgías y otras cosas parecidas. Les advierto ahora, como antes lo hice, que los que practican tales cosas no heredarán el reino de Dios. En cambio, el fruto del Espíritu es amor, alegría, paz, paciencia, amabilidad, bondad, fidelidad, humildad y dominio propio. No hay ley que condene estas cosas. Los que son de Cristo Jesús han crucificado la naturaleza pecaminosa con sus pasiones y deseos. Si el Espíritu nos da vida, andemos guiados por el Espíritu. No dejemos que la vanidad nos lleve a irritarnos y a enviadarnos unos a otros. Les hablo así, hermanos, porque ustedes han sido llamados a ser libres, pero no se valgan de esa libertad para dar rienda suelta a, los, a sus pasiones. Más bien, sírvense unos a otros con amor, con efecto. Toda la ley resumen en un solo mandamiento, ama a tu prójimo como a ti mismo. Creo que that's it. Okay. All right, so let's look at our slides. Veamos a nuestras pantallas. And we're going to look at the words of the works of the flesh. Y vamos a resumir lo que es las obras de la carne. Number one. La primera es. Sexual immorality. Inmoralidad sexual. And this means immoral sexual conduct. Y esto quiere decir conducta inmoral sexual and or intercourse. o el coito. Number two, Número dos, impurity, impureza, sexual sins, actos sexuales, evil deeds and vices, malas acciones y vicios, including thoughts and desires of the heart. incluyendo pensamientos y deseos del corazón. This include actions. Esto incluye acciones, But they also involve motives, motivos, thoughts, pensamientos, and inappropriate, y también cosas inapropiadas, unchecked sexual desires. En tanto las deseos sexuales. Number three, la número tres, debauchery, libertinaje, sensuality, sensualidad, following one's passions and desires, seguiendo las pasiones y deseos de uno hasta el punto de no tener vergüenza de decencia pública. To the point of having no shame. Al punto de no tener vergüenza. Or public decency. O decencia pública. Now I've never been there. Yo nunca he estado ahí. But I've heard that Paul the Apostle might have been referring to. Pero al parecer Pablo se pudo haber estado refiriendo. A scene like Carnival in Rio de Janeiro. A un tipo de escena como el evento de Carnaval en Rio de Janeiro. Or Mardi Gras in New Orleans. O también como el evento en Nueva Orleans. Number four. 
Número cuatro. Idolatry. Idolatría. This means trust in any one person. Confiar en cualquier persona. Institution. Institución. Or thing as having equal. O otra cosa que tiene igual o mayor. Or greater authority. O mayor, mayor valor. Or value than God. Que Dios. And his word. Y que su palabra. Number five, witchcraft. Número cinco, brujería. Sorcery, spiritism. Hechicería, espiritismo. Black magic, worship of demons. Magia negra y en sí lo que sería culto a los demonios. Use of drugs. El abuso de drogas. In order to produce a spiritual experience. Para dar esa experiencia espiritual. Number six. Número seis. And it means intense, hostile intentions. Odio, intensa hostilidad. And acts. Y acciones. Extreme dislike. Aversión o enemistad. Or enmity. Extremas. This also carries with it. Y esto también conlleva. The idea of being unforgiving. La idea de no poder perdonar. And resentful. Y resentimiento. Number seven Número is the siete. word discord. Las discordias. Quarreling. Las peleas. Antagonism. Antagonismo. A struggle for power. La lucha por el poder. Control. Todo el control. Or superiority. O superioridad. Number eight is jealousy. La número ocho son los celos. It means resentfulness. El resentimiento. Envy of another's success. La envidia del éxito del otro. And their stuff. Y todas lo que le pertenece. Number nine. Número nueve. Fits of rage. Arrebato de furia. This is explosive anger. Es una ira explosiva. And it flames into violent words or actions. Y se convierte en palabras o acciones muy violentas. In Greek, en el griego, it is pictured es pintado as one who breathes violently. Alguien que respira violentamente. I imagine a human Me imagino a un humano fire-breathing dragon combination. Como combinado con respirar ese fuego But instead of literal fire, Pero en lugar de fuego literal, it's words filled with rage. Son palabras llenas de pura furia. But the results are the same. Los resultados siguen siendo lo mismo. Burning destruction. Que es destrucción. Number 10. Selfish ambition. Ambición egoísta. This is seeking power. Esta es la búsqueda de poder. It is the idea of self-promotion. Es la idea de autopromoción Or politicking. o politiqueo. This same word Esta misma palabra was found before New Testament times. fue encontrada antes de los testamentos. It was found in Aristotle's writings. Fue encontrada en los escritos de Aristóteles. Where it means donde denota a self-seeking pursuit autobuscar of political office de cualquier of oficio político by unfair means. Por razones injustas. Number 11. La número 11. Dissensions. Discordias. Introducing divisive teaching. Introduciendo enseñanzas de división. Not supported by God's word. No respaldadas por la palabra de Dios. Some people to claim, some, unas, excuse me, some church people claim hay unas personas de la iglesia que claman that they have had or may actually have que han tenido o han experimentado experiences that are not found in the Bible. Experiencias que no están fundadas en la palabra. 
and they treat, and they treat those experiences y en esas experiencias as if they are just as legitimate las tratan como si fueran legítimas and genuine y genuinas as the ones listed como las que están listadas and sanctioned y sancionadas in the scriptures en las escrituras one of the unfortunate results una de las desafortunadas resultados is that they place these experiences que ponen esas experiencias on the same level como en el mismo nivel or an even higher level o más alto nivel than the Bible. Que la misma Biblia. Oftentimes, Hay muchas veces, these supplant que se and supersede y genuine workings of the Holy Spirit. Obras verdaderas del Espíritu Santo. Let me remind you, ah, les voy a recordar, if a so-called spiritual experience que si tal experiencia espiritual is not backed up by God's word. No es por la palabra de Dios. Then you, you should be very, very careful. Debemos tener bastante cuidado. Number 12. Número 12. Factions. Divisiones. It means division within the congregation. Division entre la iglesia. Or the church. O, o la iglesia o la gente. Into selfish groups. En grupos egoístas. Or cliques. O camarillas. That destroy the unity of the church. Que destruyen la unidad de la iglesia. This could be racial. Esto puede ser algo racial. Could be economic. Económico. It could be. Puede ser. Preferences. Preferencias. You know, we like certain people more than we like other people. Nos cae bien más un grupo de personas que otro grupo de personas. Sometimes this is accomplished. Esto a veces se denota. Through heretical teaching. Por enseñanzas heréticas or simply by spreading gossip in the church. O por simplemente andar este distribuyendo chismes en la iglesia. Okay. Number 13. Número 13. Envy. Envidia. It means resentful dislike. El resentimiento de no gustar of another person de otra persona who has something that you want. Que tiene algo que tú deseas. That something might be material in nature. Eso algo puede ser algo materi material a house, a job, a car. Una casa, un trabajo, un carro. But it might also be relational. Pero también puede ser relacional. A spouse, a boyfriend, or a girlfriend. Esposa, novio. It might even be spiritual. También espiritual. Like spiritual gifts. Como los dones espirituales. Or someone's joy. O la alegría de la otra persona. Or their peace that they have in Christ. O la paz que esa persona tiene en Cristo. We should not be envious. No deberemos ser envidiosos. Number 14. Número 14. Drunkenness. Borracheras. This means impairing one's mental. Esto quiere decir que cuando uno no está fijo en su pensar. Or physical control. O en control físico. Or judgment by alcohol. O juicio por el alcohol. Or another intoxicant. O cualquier otro intoxicante. The Greek word. La palabra griega. Is methe. Es methe. And Methe was the name of the Greek goddess of drunkenness. Y Methe era la diosa griega de las borracheras. This can also be understood in light of today's drugs. Esto también puede ser denotado en nuestra vida actual como las drogas. Methamphetamines. Metafenaminas. Number 15. Número 15. Orgies. Orgías. This means a party spirit. Esto quiere decir fiestas desafrenadas. It involves alcohol, el alcohol, drugs, 
drogas, sex, sexo, and things like that. Y cosas así. These might be common ser in certain college and university settings. En como o de or even in certain social groups. O hasta But let me summarize. Pero vamos a un poco. Paul says Pablo dice, in verse 21b, en el 21b to practice these esto indicates indica that one has shut him or herself que uno se ha del reino out of the kingdom of God de Dios y no posee and does not possess eternal salvation. La Paul says, Pablo dice, I warn you as I did before les como les antes, that those who live like this que que de esta manera, will not inherit the kingdom of God. No el reino de Dios. Notice that the works of the flesh harm our relationships que las obras de la carne con Dios, both with God and with others. Y con los demás. They cause us to violate verse 14 above. Nos causa en no poder poner al tanto las versículo 14 en adelante. And it says, y dice así, for the entire law por la ley entera is fulfilled es llevada in, in keeping this one command. En manteniendo este mandamiento. Love your neighbor as yourself. Ama tu prójimo como a ti mismo. There is no way to truly love someone no hay manera de poder amar a alguien if we are giving into our fleshly si nosotros mismos cedemos a nuestros deseos carnales, natural desires and propensities, deseos naturales y impropiedades naturales. We are really just living ungodly, selfish lives. Estamos en realidad viendo una supuesta y impía manera de vida. This is what life looks like when ahí es cuando la vida se ve de esta manera when we live life on our own terms. En nuestros propios términos. These are byproducts son people's productos of doing things our own way. De hacer las cosas de nuestra propia manera. It is a religion of the flesh. Es una religión de la carne. A religion of self. Una religión misma de una persona. And keep in mind that religion y y que la palabra religión is mankind's way of trying to reach God. Es la manera humana que tratan de alcanzar a Dios. Trying to please God. Tratando de complacer a Dios. Or even trying to be our own God. O también tratando de ser nuestro propio Dios. But the end results are the same. Pero el resultado viene siendo igual. Separation from God. Separación de Dios. And broken relationships with people. Y relaciones rotas entre gente. Now next, next, let's take a look at verses 23 through 26. Veamos los versículos 22 al 26. En cambio, el fruto del Espíritu es amor, alegría, paz, bondad, fidelidad y control mismo. Contra estas cosas no hay ley. Y a los que pertenecemos a Cristo Jesús que han crucificado la carne con estas pasiones y deseos, asimismo vivimos en el Espíritu, mantendamos así en el Espíritu. No seamos no seamos provocados entre contra unos y todos. So next, let's look at the fruit of the Spirit. Veamos próximamente los frutos del Espíritu. Número uno. <laughs> I know, be impressed. Yay. <laughs> que estén impresionados. I got myself distracted. 
se distrajo. The first word is love. La primera es amor. The Greek word is agape. La palabra griega agape. Have you heard that? ¿Han oído esa palabra? All right, very good. Bien. And it means a caring for. Cuidar y buscar. And seeking the highest good. El mayor bien. Of another person. De otra persona. Without motive of personal gain. Sin motivo de lucro personal. It is God's supreme love. Es amor supremo de Dios. This word. Esta palabra. Is most often attributed. Es más atribuida. To the way that God loves us. En la manera que Dios nos ama. He loves us with no strings attached. Nos ama sin tener hilos atados a nosotros. He doesn't make you earn his love. No te hace este, tratar de ganarte ese amor. He is love. Él es amor. And he gives that to us. Y él nos da ese amor. Number two. Número dos. Joy. Alegría. And this is the feeling of gladness. Es el sentimiento de alegría. Based on the love, basado en el amor, grace, la gracia, blessings, las bendiciones, promises, promesas, and nearness of God. Y la cercanía de Dios. And these belong to those who believe in, que pertenecen a los que creen, and live for Christ. Y viven por Cristo. Number three. Número tres. This means a quietness of heart. Que quiere decir la tranquilidad de corazón. Let me go back and give you the Greek word. Vamos a retroceder y darle la palabra en griego. It is eirene. Eirene. Now the way that I memorized that in college in my Greek class. La manera que me la aprendí en mi clase griega. Was through. Por medio de. Peace on a rainy day. Paz en un día muy lluvioso. <laughs> I know that's bad. Dice que eso estuvo muy mal. But I never forgot it. Pero nunca se le olvidó. So peace is a rainy. So la paz para él es en un día lluvioso. The quietness of heart and mind. La tranquilidad de corazón y mente. Based on the knowledge. Basado en el conocimiento. That all is well with God and me. De que todo está bien entre el creyente y su padre celestial. Number four. Número cuatro. Patience or forbearance. Paciencia. And it means endurance. Quiere decir. Long suffering. Perdón. Número cuatro, Paloma. Paciencia, ¿qué quiere decir? Uh, lo que es ser lento para la ira. Being slow to anger or despair. Y la desesperación. Number five. Número cinco. Kindness. Amabilidad. This is one of my favorite fruits of the Spirit. Es una de mis frutos favoritos del Espíritu. And it simply means y quiere decir not wanting to hurt anyone. No querer lastimar a cualquier persona. Not wanting to cause anyone pain. No querer causar ningún dolor. What an amazing fruit. Qué fruto tan más estupendo. Of Christ's love in us. De Jesús amarnos nosotros. Romans 2:4 says. Romanos 2:4 dice. I wonder if is it in the slide, Paloma. Next slide. <laughs> si no lo está, voy a tratar de traducir. No ven que tan humilde y bondadoso y tolerante y paciente es Dios con ustedes. Eso por si acaso no no tiene significado para ustedes. Pues no pueden ver que si la bondad es es hecha hacia ustedes, no los pondrá de eso del pecado. Okay, very good. Good stuff. Buenas cosas. <laughs> Number six. Número seis. Goodness. La bondad. And this is a zeal for truth. Es un celo por la verdad. And righteousness. Por la justicia. And a hatred of evil. Y odio por el mal. 
This is the picture of Jesus. Es una foto de Jesús. Overturning the tables in the temple in Jerusalem. Es como cuando él dio vuelta a las mesas en el templo. Number seven. Número siete. Faithfulness. Fidelidad. This is a firm and unswerving loyalty firme e to a person a una to whom one is promised or united by promise. A la que uno está unido por la promesa y el compromiso. So you can think of marriage. Podemos pensar en el matrimonio. Okay. Number eight. Número ocho. Gentleness. Humildad. It means restraint coupled with strength. Moderación junto con fuerza. And courage. Y coraje. It describes a person who can be righteously angry. Describe a una persona que puede estar enojada. When anger is needed. Con rectitud. And humbly submissive. Cuando se necesita ira. When submission is needed. Humildemente sumisa cuando se necesita sumisión. Think of Jesus or Moses. Pensemos de Jesús y Moisés. And finally, number nine. Y número nueve. Self-control. Control propio. And it means mastering one's own desires. Quiere decir dominar los propios deseos y pasiones. And passions. Incluida. Including faithfulness. La fidelidad to one's marriage vows. A los votos matrimoniales. It also means sexual purity. También en tanto la pureza sexual. Before, during, and after marriage. Antes, durante y después del matrimonio. So allow me to summarize. So el amor es en resumen. Verse 23b says, el versículo 23b dice, against such things there is no law. No hay ley que condene estas cosas. Christians can, los cristianos pueden, in fact, must practice these virtues over and over and over again. We will never find a law prohibiting. We will never find a law restricting us from expressing all of this fruit. Now, here's an interesting note. Some Bible scholars point out that the Greek word for fruit here que dicen que la palabra fruto en, en griego is in the singular, es en singular not in plural. No en plural so it says the fruit of the spirit Entonces dice el fruto del espíritu. and the original Greek sentence structure y la estructura original de esta palabra would allow for a colon to be placed after the word love le podría poner dos puntos después de la palabra amor so although these other part or these other words are part of the fruit, Entonces, todas estas palabras son parte de esa palabra de la, del fruto. Love could very well be the primary fruit. El amor es primordialmente lo que sería el primer fruto. So what does that mean? ¿Qué quiere decir eso? It means that love is the fruit of the spirit. Que el amor es un fruto del espíritu. And the other words, que las otras palabras, describe what love is. derivan de lo que es el amor. So love is joyful. El amor es alegre. Love is peace-filled. Es paz. Love is patient. Alegría y paciencia. Love is kind. Amable. Love is filled with goodness. Bondadoso. Love is faithful. Fiel. Love is gentle. Humilde. And love is shown through self-control. Y el amor se enseña por el control de sí mismo. The fruit is the normal. El fruto es el donde expected outcome of Christian growth de lo que es el crecer cristiano. of our maturity in Christ 
nuestra madurez en Cristo of our Christ-likeness and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now since all Christians Como todos los cristianos, have the privilege and responsibility el of growing in their faith y de crecer en su fe. we all have the responsibility todos la responsabilidad of developing the fruit of the Spirit. De poder llevar a cabo ese fruto del Espíritu. So the fruit of the Spirit shows the health that grows in us. El Espíritu enseña lo que es crecer saludable o producto. And this fruit is produced supernaturally. Es producido sobrenatural. When Christ resides in us by His Holy Spirit. Cuando el Señor Jesús reside en nosotros con su Espíritu Santo. So let me bring this to a close. Llevemos este a un cierre. What does this mean for us? ¿Qué quiere decir esto para nosotros? It means that we need decir que nosotros necesitamos to take an honest look at our lives ver nosotros mismos nuestras vidas to make sure we are truly in relationship with Jesus. Para estar seguros que vamos bien en nuestra relación con Cristo. And if so, y si así lo es, then we should be manifesting. Deberíamos estar manifestando. We should be producing the fruit of the Spirit. Produciendo el fruto del Espíritu. If not, si no, then it probably means that there's a disconnect somewhere. It may be as simple as puede ser tan simple como not understanding no entendiendo that we cannot live to please ourselves. Que no podemos vivir todo el tiempo placiéndonos a nosotros mismos. Or it may mean o también puede ser we haven't yet surrendered no hemos rendido we haven't yet surrendered our lives completely to the Lordship of Christ. No hemos rendido nuestras vidas al Señoreo de Jesús. Whatever the cause may be, cualquier que sea el costo, today is a perfect day. Hoy es el día perfecto to make sure we have things spiritually. Para asegurarnos que tengamos nuestras cosas right, espirituales bien. Spiritually right with God. Espiritualmente bien con Dios. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Vamos. Father, we love you so much. Señor, te amamos mucho. We thank you for your word. Te agradecemos por tu palabra. God, it is your word. Señor, es tu palabra. That changes us. Que nos cambia. Tu espíritu que nos da fuerza. Your Holy Spirit teaches us. Que nos enseña. Your Holy Spirit empowers us. Que nos da más fortaleza. Your Holy Spirit makes us more and more like you. Que nos hace más como tú. God, I pray for all of us today. Señor, oro para todos nosotros. That we will exhibit the fruit of the Spirit los del Santo. and not live to please our flesh y no vivir para carne. because living to please our flesh tal la carne hurts our relationship with you and it destroys our relationships with others. Y la con los demás. God, help us to rely upon you today. Señor, a en ti. Change us from the inside out. De hacia Make us more and more like you, Jesus. Más, como más, como tú, cada día. In Jesus' name. En el de Jesús. Amen. 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 God bless you. Dios los bendiga. Thank you for being here. Muchas gracias por acompañarnos. Not involved in a ministry. Y si no estás involucrado en un ministerio. We have a place for you to serve. Tenemos un lugar para que puedas servir. We'd love for you to serve at Life Church. Tenemos aquí con nosotros. At Life Church Español. A Life Church Español. Amen. Amen. Amen.
God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you, Nora. Give her a hand. She says to give her a hand.